Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers Now. Reminder you can text us at any time on our Heartland Ford text line with over $10 million in new and pre owned inventory. They're one of the largest Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. In Ottawa with the Oilers, Oilers rolling in at 3.30, not rolling in in terms of performance. Got absolutely smoked last night on national TV, 6-2 by the Maple Leafs. We've had Leader Brusk and Brian Burke on this show, and we're going to head off to our River Creek Resort and Casino hotline. Pleased to be joined by Post Media's Bruce Garriock, one of the most plugged-in men in the business. Bruce, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good to talk to you, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well... We got you to, to talk about the Senators, so let's start there. I mean, obviously, for the people that are unaware, uh, you've also known Peter Shirelli for a, a long, long time. Uh, just uh, just a thought on, uh, you know, Peter getting moved during the course of the season after three and a half years in Edmonton. Uh, your your perspective from afar? Well, I've, I mean, uh, obviously, as a little surprise, like you say, I've known Peter Shirelli since he was – you know, an agent here in Ottawa, and I think this would probably be the first time in 20 years that Peter Shirelli uh, wasn't at the table for an NHL trade deadline. Um, you know, I, I think it's too bad it didn't work out there for him. Um, you know, I understand the the uh, patience and the, the patience wearing thin in Edmonton, and uh, I, I get why the change was made. I think it's too bad. I still think that Peter Shirley's a good hockey man, and I obviously feel that down the road he's going to help some other organizations. Uh, might be hard-pressed to be a GM again. Would you agree with that? Or could that partially depend upon what happens with the future Ottawa ownership situation? Because if I recall correctly, this thing has fallen apart with LeBreton uh, Flats. I'm not sure. I, mean, I know you have connection directly to Eugene Melnick, but if theoretically the Senators were to be sold, my feeling is that maybe local buyers would be people that people, uh, Peter would be connected to. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of some buts there. Um, you know, I think that, that I could easily see that uh, Peter Shirelli moving into a consulting role with some NHL team down the road because I think that, uh, he, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, people... Uh, a lot of people respect his work. I know that it did not go well in Edmonton, but he did, you know, obviously build a Stanley Cup contender in Boston. And uh, I still think that, that Peter Shirley is probably pretty highly thought of in a lot of circles. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I know uh, being, uh, the, I know that people in Edmonton who are listening right now know the ups and downs 
of a arena and an arena development project. Yeah. And I had a real good opportunity. Uh, you know, you helped me out there, and I had a real good opportunity to speak to Bob Black when I was in Edmonton. And um, a couple of years ago, after Rogers, after Rogers' place just opened, and um, you know, I think that people in Edmonton know more than anything about the the ups and downs of trying to build an arena. And I, I would say in Ottawa, at some point, there's going to be a new arena. I think that you know, um, obviously, yesterday was a setback, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination this. This this current project may not be alive, but I don't think the the opportunity for a new arena is dead by any stretch of the imagination. All right, so this is a tough time for Senators fans. I got news for you, Bruce. It's a tough time for Oilers fans. Like we have Oilers fans that are they're mad at Daryl Cates. They're blaming Daryl Cates for the lack of traction of the Oilers organization. Though I think that the large percentage of the Oilers fans would concede some appreciation for him for the fact that you know we have Rogers place because he pushed for it to make it happen and the previous ownership group and as you know I knew those guys quite well as well but Cal Nichols who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame he said it on my show he said we did not have the wherewithal to push forward for you know revitalizing a downtown community project like Ice District um, but Ottawa's got the double whammy going on right now because yep. they've got an arena challenge Yep. And, and now they're challenged to get long-term commitments from their pending free agents as well. Yeah, and, it, you know, obviously what they went through with Mark Stone and, and uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle is difficult. I don't think in the, I don't think in the case of Dezingle that that, uh, you know, that, that was a different scenario altogether uh, other than, than Duchesne and Stone. I mean, um, I think... They, they kind of expected that Dzingo would stay. He decided to move on. And the, 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 I think the money was there uh, for, for Stone and Duchesne. Uh, obviously, they didn't want to be part of the rebuild here or didn't like what was happening in this rebuild and, and decided to move on. And Obviously, at that point, the organization had to move on. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty clear uh, here that the fans are angry, they're frustrated, they're upset, uh, they're wondering why this happened, they're sad to see uh, the players go. Uh, they're going through all kinds of stages right now. Um, and I guess one of the things I've said is that I think at, at some point the organization uh, needs to communicate what its plan is going forward and 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 how they're going to use all these assets they acquired. I don't think anybody has any complaints about the assets they acquired, Bob. I think they want to know how they're going to use them. All right, so let's, I mean, let's really go back to the Carlson trade uh, and the assessment on that deal. I mean, how do you think they did that return? Well, I mean, they got, they could they could have as many as six pieces if if Carlson decides to re-sign with the, uh, with the Sharks. Obviously, look, they weren't going to win the deal, Bob. They didn't get an Eric Carlson in return, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, the, there is the potential for a first-round pick there. I think Dylan DeMello has been solid for them. Chris Tierney in the right situation and used in the right role can be a solid player for them. Right now he's probably their number one or number two center, but that's more based on circumstance by the departures rather than anything else. Uh, you know, I think down, but I think down the road he's got an opportunity here. Um, you know, the, depending on the, they they believe that 
that Rudolph Spalsers, who's who's ill tonight, won't play, uh, will be a player for this team down the road. This is a rebuild, so they weren't expecting results right away, but it, it's pretty obvious they didn't get an Eric Carlson in return. So do they get? They do get a first rounder from San Jose, but it's in 2020, right? We, yeah, it, it, I think yeah. It depend depending. Uh, it could be in 2019, but you got me on the condition right now. Uh, okay, it, all it, right. Because so, it has something to do with. Um, there were so many pieces in that trade, right? But it has something to do with. I think San Jose owes Buffalo a, a 19. Uh, right for the Amander Kane trade. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think. Okay. I think that there's something there as well. All right, so then we go to the second big deal, which was made before the trade deadline. And i got to tell you, I personally thought the Matt Duchesne return was a little bit underwhelming, especially when factoring in the context of, you know, Duchesne coming from Colorado and what Ottawa ultimately gave up there. Uh, but that said, I mean, he, I mean, we just had Brian Burke on, and, you know, I, I had a conversation with another manager today, and he just said, look, you can't look at it all the time like what you got – back for a guy that you traded for. Like, that doesn't always work out that way. But just give me your assessment on the Duchesne trade. Well, I think that they, they, they feel like they got some good pieces in return. They feel like down the road, Abramov's going to be a player, and that they feel like, um, uh, you know, at some point, uh, I know that Pierre Dorian's going to go over and see Jonathan Davidson later this month in Sweden, have a look at him. Uh, and they feel like if they can get him, uh, to come overseas, that he's a that he's a guy who could step into a third line role, perhaps as early as next season. Uh, the first round pick was uh, ultimately very important to them, Bob, because they don't have a first round pick. As you know, they gave it up in that deal to get to, um, Matt Duchesne. To get Matt Duchesne, and that you know that that is going to be a lottery pick. It certainly it it in. And obviously, you know, Colorado is a pretty good chance to get. So they had to get into that first round. And now that they're in that first round, they've got options and they've got picks. Then, and I spoke to Dorian today. They've got picks that maybe they they move use some of those picks to move up in the draft as well. So they, they've got one of the things they've got is they've got the possibility with all the deals they made of having 17 picks in the first three rounds of. Uh, of this of, uh, of the next, next three years, three years. Yeah. and they feel like they can use some of those picks to certainly make some other moves to to, to help perhaps speed this rebuild along. Now, the one trade where I think they crushed it, ironically enough, was on Ryan Zingle. The Zingle. I mean, they got two number twos for him. Yeah. I, I thought that's a pretty good return. Yeah, and, and they had a couple of teams in on Ryan Dezingle at the end. Uh, I think that, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes were probably in there in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think that I, I think they were surprised. You know, they offered Ryan Dezingle a five-year deal in excess of $20 million. They probably offered him more than some teams perhaps would be willing to offer him in unrestricted free agency, but they wanted to keep him, but he decided to move on. Uh, you're right. Uh, I when I heard that the price was either a first-round pick or two seconds or a high-end prospect, I thought, well, geez, are they, are they going to get uh, – they're going to have a hard time getting two seconds. Maybe if they can get a late first, that would be good. But to get two seconds, I think they did well. 
All right, which brings us to the Mark Stone trade with right. Bruce Garriock, longtime uh, Ottawa-based writer for Post Media. I mean, Mark Stone's a heck of a player. It was a terrific draft pick by the, the Senators to, to get him when they did. You know, you're talking about a six-round draft choice that panned out. We should remember Hoffman. Uh, they got him for a fifth-rounder. Uh, so how did that play out? I mean, obviously, it was interesting watching yeah. TSN, who's a partner of the Ottawa Senators, they were quite uh, receptive of that trade, and some of the individuals at Sportsnet who aren't a partner uh, didn't like the trade as much. And you know what? We get that all the time because, uh, you know, some people say, well, the Sportsnet guys go soft on the orders, and the TSN guys are hard, at least. Uh, and I'm not talking local radio. I'm talking national TV. But give me your thoughts on that deal. Well, I think, uh, uh, first of all, I thought that Mark Stone would stay here. I thought that they would be able to resign him. And, they, you know, they tabled an eight-year deal to him. Um, in in I think on the Wednesday or Thursday before the trade deadline, it must have been the Wednesday, and they gave him until Thursday night at 6 p.m. to sign that deal. Even when he didn't sign that deal, I didn't think they were were that far apart. But I think what happened from there on in was that both sides remained firm on their positions, Bob. And then it became about making sure they get the proper return. And um, they talked to several teams. I think that I know that the Winnipeg Jets showed a lot of interest, but I don't. I don't know if, in the end if 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 Kevin Chevaldeoff really wanted to make that deal. And um, you know, I think that the Nashville Predators were probably in there, but I think that the Vegas Golden Knights had been on this one almost since the start. There's the connection with Kelly McCrimmon. It was almost too obvious. And the other thing is. You know, and, and the, uh, the Florida Panthers were in there, but they couldn't get it done. Was you know the the, the Vegas Golden Knights were were willing to do an extension. I think that the Senators are, th- are are they aren't thrilled with losing Mark Stone, not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I think they're happy with the return they got, and and Pierre Dorian is going to see Eric Brandstrom tomorrow night make his debut in Belleville, and and they are pretty excited about this guy. Well, uh, which brings us to the here and now with the team, because Thomas Shabbat has had a wonderful season. He comes in at tonight's game, 13 goals, 47 points in 55 games. That's a 22-year-old left-shot defenseman. Uh, now they have Branstrom, another left-shot defenseman, who's got 28 points in 41 games. That's going to be the number one and number two defenseman in Ottawa moving forward, and those are two guys that can really transition the puck. Bruce, we just watched an Oilers team that got absolutely eviscerated by Toronto because their D can't get the puck out of their own zone ever, and then they don't have enough support scoring to make plays once it gets up the ice. But uh, it's a pretty good starting point with Shabbat, who is you know probably the best player on this team right now, and Branston coming down the path. That's, uh, well, they, they, that's a good place to start. Well, it's interesting, and, and um, this will be interesting for your listeners. I, I did one on one with Pierre Dorian today that will be posted uh, I think sometime next hour or so. Um, one of the things he said was, I said, can you envision a day, Pierre, where you have, you know, Branstrom and, and Shabbat playing, you know, you know, kind of running that blue line? He said, I, I envisioned a day where we have Branstrom, uh, or to start with, he said, Shabbat, Branstrom, and Jacob Bernard Docker as our top three defensemen. Yeah. And, he, and he said to me, that's a pretty exciting scenario for this franchise. He, he says he knows right now that people are having a hard time getting excited because of what's happened here, but he does feel with with the right prospects in place, they're, they're in good shape. Yeah. Uh, one final one for you. 
With the Ottawa Senators, I know Cody Cece got pulled out of the lineup at one point. Um, could could Cece and Pajot potentially be in play at some stage during the summer? Um, I I don't know about Pajot. I kind of feel like Pajot's going to be here. I, I think if they were listening on CC now, they're going to listen again in the summer. He's a restricted free agent. Um, I think I think they'll. I don't see Pajot going anywhere really, but I could certainly see a scenario where uh, where um, where Cody CC gets moved. Obviously. All right. They, they, they. What happened there was, I think they had a team or two interested, and you know the possibility existed that they might make a move. So instead of taking a risk, they just decided to take him out. Well, you might think that they could, with those two young left-shot defensemen, you know, Bradson being on the team next year, they could probably use a hard-nosed, tough shutdown right shot D. And CC is not that guy, so maybe he gets flipped for a different type of defenseman. Time will tell in that regard. Bruce, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch Ottawa. They're going to have a lot of cap space here moving forward as well. We'll be intrigued to see how they end up using it. But thank you for taking time to join us, and we'll see you down on the arena in less than an hour. Always good talking to you, Bob. I'll see you real soon tonight. Got you, but that's Bruce Garriott from Post Media. It's 149 in Edmonton. The best pizza in the city still make it a great. It's Royal Pizza, multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza, Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 152 at Edmonton to this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Edmonton's premier travel company for 39 years. Dennis Laliberti, the president of New West Travel. Heading out on a spectacular Italian and Greek island cruise, including daily tours, meals, and exclusive special events. For more information, it's going to take place this fall. Reach out to New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. February 28th, 1990. One of my favorite games in NHL history. To tell us about it, here is Brendan Escott. I knew this would be right up your alley, Bob. The Oilers and LA Kings set an NHL record for the most penalties in a game with 86, breaking the old mark of 84 set back in 1981. Now the teams combined for 356 penalty minutes as Wayne Gretzky's Kings won 4-2 in Los Angeles. The Oilers set the NHL record that night with 45 team penalties. I was working, Brendan, at what was then known as ITV. I was shot listing for Darren Detition. That game was broadcast on ITV. It took so long that they canceled Sports Night that night. And so Darren Detition and myself just stood there and watched it. And Darren's a good old boy from Saskatchewan, from Porcupine Plains. At that time, I believe he was uh, married to uh, uh, Kelly and uh, Kyle Chase's sister. And it was fight after it started the opening shift of the game. Mark Messier uh, got into it with uh, Marty McSorley. McSorley was obviously the aggressor. And at that time, Marty was playing a bit of a role of an agitator. He started fighting again the next year. Uh, but uh, the orders had Dave Brown. Bob Helkitas got thrashed uh, by Dave Brown. There was a couple six on fives. It was a galvanizing moment for the players on that 1990 Oilers Stanley Cup championship team without Wayne Gretzky, who, of course, was with the Kings. 
The Kings won the battle in terms of the scoreboard that night, but the Oilers, and I don't mean to be trite with the phraseology, but the Oilers, uh, they won the war come the playoff time in four straight games, knocking out a, uh, I'd say an injury riddled Wayne Gretzky because he was not at 100% in that series in four straight games. But that was the moment, February 28, 1990. I think the Oilers severed ties the older players with Wayne Gretzky. Of course, Gretzky and the Kings had rallied from 3-1 down to beat Edmonton in the 89 playoffs. I remember I was going to the U of A at the time and working on sports, and I know it was just an awesome night. Brennan, there was fight after fight after fight, melee after melee, and the Oilers won them. They lost the game, but they won the battles. And that ultimately led to a setup where they'd meet them in the playoffs and beat them in the playoffs. And they beat them again in 91. And they beat him again in 92. It was awesome. It was a nasty, hostile rivalry. Are we going to get that tonight between Edmonton and Ottawa? I don't know about that. Uh, Canadian, the Senators do have on defense Ben Harper and Mark Borbietsky dressed. Those guys are both tough. Uh, Brady Kachaki is not quite like uh, Matthew Kachuk. He's got a little bit more skill. It's actually bigger than Matthew Kachuk. It'll be a fun game tonight. Orders better be ready to go. We'll have the City Ford Faceoff show at 4 p.m. Puck drop at 5.30 tomorrow. I'll be in Columbus, third day, third different city. Elliot Friedman will join us from the River Creek Resort and Casino. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Morgan Black, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's edition of Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.